Today on CityCast DC, there are about 6 million people in the DC metro area, and the least popular one of them may be Daniel Snyder. He's the owner of the local football team, these days known as the Washington Commanders. You've probably seen the headlines, such a harassment, a toxic work culture, Congress investigating, and the owner evading the hearings. There's a lot of muck there. So to break it all down, I chatted with sports columnist Mike Weiss. He's been reporting on Snyder for years, has met him a couple of times, and knows as well as anyone that this is a story Washingtonians care about, even if they don't care about sports. It's Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is CityCast DC. All right, so I'm with Mike Wise today. You have written about sports in the DC area since like forever. And I think it's safe to say the biggest story in that time has been a certain Daniel M. Snyder, the owner of our local football team. Yes, unfortunately. Let's start from the beginning. Who is this guy? How did he come to own the team? And what's his deal? Dan Snyder was sort of the, I don't want to say the last choice, but the thought was after Jack Kent Cook, the storied owner of the team that they'd won three Super Bowls under was about to pass away. His son, John Kent Cook, thought he was going to be entrusted with the team. And at the last minute, the father decided, no, Johnny, I think I'm going to put it up for auction through my foundation. Dan Snyder partnered with Howard Milstein, and eventually he sicked his legal team on him and got Milstein out of the picture and got the team for himself. I mean, I think his first full year of ownership was 98, 99. And he was sort of the boy king. I mean, he was the youngest owner in the history of the NFL at the time. It was well known that he was a fan as a child. He's a homeboy. He's like a native of the D.C. area. Yeah. And yeah. And here's and his father, Gerald M. Snyder, took him to games at old RFK when he was little, got him a little Sonny Jurgensen jersey. And so he was dyed in the wool growing up a fan of the team and he was burgundy and gold till he bled. And so so when he bought it, there was this uh, I don't want to say optimism, but it was a, it seemed like a genuine little kid grows up to become the owner story that people would, if not celebrate, at least be amused by and see what happens. The Washington in which Dan Snyder grew up. Uh, was a place that just uh, worshipped this team, then called the Redskins. Can you talk a little bit about what, I mean, I'm 48, I'm from here, they won a Super Bowl when I was in fifth grade. Reagan gave the whole federal government the afternoon off to go to the parade. Can you talk a little bit about the presence, the cultural meaning of the team in the city? When I had a radio show in town, my producer, Chris Johnson, would tell me stories about how he was hanging out of a tree on Constitution Avenue as the floats went by and he saw the Super Bowl trophy. And it wasn't just a team winning a title. It was a community happening. It was a civil gathering. And to this day, I think Washingtonians, the old tried and true ones like yourself, Michael, see it less as Dan Snyder's team than uh, almost a civic trust. It's Washington's team, and he just happens to be the owner. And I think especially the magic that surrounded RFK Stadium, the the stands shook when they won a playoff game once. You could see it on TV. The stands are vibrating. There was a communal gathering of 
every ethnicity, every color. And I think it helped that, shoot, it was a stone's throw from Capitol Hill where many of the potentates and poseurs of Washington came to see those games right next to the people who had nothing but gave their last dollar to see that team. And it, it really brought old and young, rich and poor, black and white together in a way that never happened at FedEx Field. There was a blockbuster report in the Post, I think it was two years ago, chronicling toxicity, bullying, really noxious sexual politics inside the team's offices. What's the story there? What happened and what was the reaction? Well, you can't underscore the environment we're in now. The Me Too movement has been extraordinary in essentially outing people, mostly men, that take advantage of situations, their power, their prestige, and the sexual harassment, the sexual assault that's gone on. That's now carried over to the organization. When it came out, I think it was Juliet McCourt, New York Times columnist who wrote a story about the cheerleaders before the post and that they had posed topless against their wishes for a calendar and that there was a video made of this. And then, of course, the phenomenal reporting by the post afterward that essentially found out that some of them had signed in non-disclosure agreements where they weren't allowed to talk about what happened. And then you find out that Dan Snyder has actually been implicated himself and alleged to have sexually assaulted or harassed at least one woman. And now there are two that have come forward. It so goes beyond football, Michael. It's it's creepy. It's basically every cliche about some power greedy man that thinks he can have any woman at his disposal. If any of it is true, I don't see how the guy owns the team. So they then uh, bring in Beth Wilkinson, a big name lawyer, and she yep. is going to do a top to bottom investigation and figure out exactly what's going on so that they can uh, correct these problems. Uh, it didn't work out that way. I mean, all these investigations, uh, it's not the Keystone Cops, but even when you get someone who's incredibly intelligent, has an immaculate record as a legal mind, as an investigator, this person is still overseen by someone whose interests, the NFL, the team, it is not to have this stuff come out. Right. So she was first hired by the team. And then the NFL said, well, you know, we're going to uh, take over the investigation because we're impartial, which some people had their doubts about. Right. We're impartial. And anything, anybody that knows anything about the NFL knows that they're going to keep anything that's going to hurt their bottom line under wraps. And until it comes out and then they have to disavow any connection to the person who was in trouble. The kicker is there was no report. Like it was an oral presentation, right? Oral presentation, no written report, never. I mean, they did uh, millions of pages over Deflategate when Tom Brady allegedly let some air out of footballs during a NFL playoff game. This was tantamount to um, Russia spyware investigation. This thing that actually involves real people and emotional trauma, alleged physical trauma, this thing was kept under wraps by the NFL. To this day, it's wrong, it's appalling, but it's also the NFL. 
Right. So enter Congress. There is something called the House Oversight Committee. They have a pretty wide berth. They did some stuff about like steroids and baseball some years ago. And their idea is that this is a hugely influential organization. And the fact that there is no transparency around sexual misbehavior and this report has been deep sixed, even though some of the, the women who spoke to the investigators say, please release it. This brings in Congress who, among other things, have subpoena power. So what's been going on up there? NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell interviewed by Zoom. He tried to paint the picture that the culture was now changed. Let's move forward. This is a different organization. Look at the people we have in charge. And the Congressional Oversight Committee just kept needling him. It's sad in a way, while the senators and the congressmen have the ability to embarrass people in public through their questioning, they don't have the ability to criminally charge everyone. They can only right. refer those things to the FBI, and the FBI is not going to take up the NFL. So this comes down to if Dan Snyder looks bad enough in front of Congress and the things he did, if the NFL can be so shamed as to take a vote among its owners whether Dan Snyder should sell, it would take 24 of the 32 league owners to say, yes, we need to get this guy out of the league for him to ever give up the team. No one knows if Goodell has ever even put that vote up to the owners or whether he will. My thought is, if Dan Snyder is in front of Congress, there would be enough doubt amongst NFL owners that this is just going to hurt our bottom line if we keep him in charge. And there was this other sort of weird sideline thing that is super important to sports fans, which is this allegation that there was some accounting irregularity involved with like ticket sales that he would have had to share some of the proceeds with his other owners, except that because of these alleged irregularities, he didn't do that. When your guy is in the headlines with words like sexual misconduct, you don't want to change the subject to accounting irregularities if you're out to get him. But in, in this case, that, that actually does have a significance to sports fans. It does. And more than sports fans, it has a significance to the actual owners. If he had another set of books, if he approved another set of books by any of his accounting people, then you're looking at corporate malfeasance. And that gets to the heart of an NFL owner more right. than, sadly, more than any moral <laughs> right. wrong. The NFL is a, a $10 billion, probably $12 billion now, a piece of pie to be split up among 32 men. Think about that. And when that piece of pie is split up, if anybody has, so to speak, been double dipping, getting a second slice, that's more tantamount to treason than anything. That could be his undoing more than any congressional probe, more than 40 women who've now, or are represented by two different lawyers that say that they were either harassed, humiliated, or sexually assaulted. These women have brought things to light and showed more courage than anybody. And yet, for all that, he might go down for trying to pilfer from the piggy bank. So in addition to subpoenaing Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, they subpoenaed Snyder, who has refused to accept the subpoena and won't testify. Now, last week it emerged that he is now saying, yes, maybe he will testify. What's that going to be like? I don't know. But I'm going to defend him here for a minute, Michael. He's on a yacht. How can you bother this man to come forward? He's on vacation, <laughs> damn it. I mean, it reeks of every... 
filthy rich person that doesn't care about the little people. And it keeps on going that way. Will it change? I don't know. I could see him testifying via Zoom. I don't know if he's going to testify in front of Congress. His body language would be ugly. He comports a sense of, uh, or he wants a sense of uh, dignity and I guess, place in society that he really shouldn't be afforded, but that's who he is. So where do you think it goes from here? The committee has an end game. I talked to a lot of people, you know, I grew up as a fan of the team. And so there's just like wishful thinking with everyone I talk to where people are saying, well, we really think the team might get taken from him. But what do you think is his fate here? If the allegations against him either prove to be true or it becomes so um, embarrassing as to overshadow anything happening with the team. I think the owners have no choice but to remove him. My hope is that they'll finally take the team from him. My guess is they may say, yeah, that's the right idea, but there'll be a long legal battle and Dan Snyder will remain the owner of this team for at least two or three more years. That's my gut. I can't see it lasting beyond then because bottom line, there will be another allegation at some point and it will be ugly. Yeah. And let me ask you another question though, sort of related. Let's say the Mike Wise fantasy scenario happens and these uh, owners get smart and decide we want to make a change. We're going to force them to sell the team. And, you know, the greatest Washingtonian you can think of buys the team. Will it ever go wait, back? Wait, who, who would that be? That'd be Mike Wise. That's what I was thinking. And what I would do, no, go ahead. Is it ever possible in 2022 for the team or any NFL team to get back to the place where it had been, where it's this enormous unifying cultural force within the city? Yes. If I found out anything covering professional sports over many decades, it's that winning is the great deodorant. It covers mm -hmm. up the stench of everything. And if people that uh, the community came to like and know a little, uh, like they used to, uh, Joe Theismann or an Art Monk or Daryl Green or John Riggins, if a group of players sort of bought into the idea of giving themselves to the good of the group, and they started winning again, I firmly believe. And I think, too, the commanders, the change to the commanders, whether you like the name or not. Now, the worst thing that could have happened is if they won a Super Bowl again and they had all these protests against the name, the greatest moment in recent modern history, and it's interrupted by this. The fact that they made that change, I think, is going to help in some ways. And so all that stuff, I think, is going to, I think commanders is going to be more unifying. I think if they win, it's going to be unifying. But I, when I think about, that team, from what I gather, and you would know this more than I would, like there was nothing like that team winning in the city. There, no other team winning at that level was as big as that team winning. And I still feel that can be achieved if it happens again. Now, will it? I don't know. Maybe they should sign Tom Brady at 48. I don't know. Give him time. Uh, Mike, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, this is fun. I'm glad we caught up. And now for some quick news. I've got audio producer Julia Karen here with the latest. Julia, what's happening? 
Well, Mike, first up, more bad news for Metro riders. The coffers are running low and WMATA's only options seem to be the ones that would hit those of us who like public transportation the hardest, namely longer waits between trains and higher fares. Already, ridership numbers have been pretty low, and if these changes go into effect, that could get even worse. In sports news, everyone's talking about Wayne Rooney. The Brit is going to be DC United's new manager, and if you remember right, he played for the team back in 2018 and 19. The hope is that he can bring the team back from the brink. They lost nil 7 to Philadelphia on Friday. And lastly, the Capital Fringe Fest is starting on Thursday and continuing throughout the weekend. It's a bunch of theater performances happening in vacant storefronts across Georgetown, and it's really cool. They've built all these stages out of literally nothing. We chatted with the festival's director, Julianne Brienza, about what to expect from the shows. I mean, there's shows about cloning, there's shows about the Palestinian conflict, there's shows about how neighbors talk to each other on online forums, there's shows about motherhood and fatherhood and what challenges come into that. There's just like comedy shows that make no sense and are fun and it's time to let loose. There's cabaret performances. There's plenty to choose from and we really encourage the audience to kind of gather and chat with each other so that they can share what shows are great and what are not. And then also we are offering free music on most nights, all done by DC musicians. At the Festival Bar, which is called Sandlot, Georgetown. And so I really encourage folks to check that out and then also talk to other people who are attending the festival to see what shows are things they shouldn't miss. You can learn more about the festival at capitalfringe.org. They have a full list of all the shows and each ticket is $15. If you miss it this weekend, don't worry. The fun continues from July 21st to the 24th as well. And that's the end of our show today. I'm Michael Schaefer from Politico. If you're enjoying our work, why not tell a friend, leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Thursday morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. If you miss it this weekend, don't worry. The fun continues from July 21st to the 24th is all. Uh, Words are hard.